Welcome. How y'all doing today? Well, we'd like to welcome you here at uh, Lone Tree and all of our campuses, Castle Rock, Lakewood, and Highlands Ranch. Come on now, stay with me. Hey, they, I'll tell you what, we get a chance, Brent and I, to go all the campuses, and each one is so wonderful and different, and we love every one of it, and the campus pastors at each campus is doing a fantastic job. If you have relatives in those areas of our other campuses, please tell them about JFC, uh, that they could come and join. So we're starting this new series, as Pastor uh, Ben mentioned, and uh, we're starting with the topic of heaven. What do you believe about heaven? Now, see, as a pastor, we are in a lot of events or times or tragedies of people's life where that heaven question comes up. And a lot of people shape their viewpoint of heaven, all right, by what they have been told or what they want to believe about heaven. And usually for us, it's not a good time in the middle of a funeral or something like that to say to them, no, what you're saying there about your loved one is not true. Obviously, there's a lot of love and grace that goes in there. So let me help you today with just some things about heaven. I want to give you a good, clear, biblical understanding of those things that we do know. There's a lot that we don't know. And so uh, we'll try to cover that. Now, for example, some that we've heard over the years, St. Peter will meet us there at the pearly gates. How many have heard that one? All right. We will become angels with halos. I'm already working on my <laughs> landing for my halo. We will be floating around on clouds and play harps. All good people will go to heaven. And we have a lot, and especially recently and over the years, people's accounts of going to heaven. How valid are those? How real are those? So I want to kind of give you a little illustration here. Uh, we were in Hawaii, Brent and I, and I, uh, we were doing this little tour around this waterfall. I saw this beautiful little plant. Let me tell you about it first. Uh, it was just this kind of a red plant, almost shaped like half of a football. Had these little petals, and it was nestled in to this uh, beautiful uh, jungle flora or fauna. And it was just such a beautiful plant. Let me, I'll tell you what, let me do better than that. Let me show it to you, okay? If you guys will bring that up, all right? Isn't that a beautiful little plant? You see all the red, shiny, the little, uh, anyway, fantastic fantastic plant, okay? Now, if, if we had the privilege of taking one of you or a couple of you to Hawaii, we would love to take you down this path and let you see this in person. How many would like to go with us to Hawaii? All right, good. Man, if you didn't raise your hand, I don't know how to read into that. I'll tell you what. All right? But the point is, the best way to experience that is to actually be there to take in all the smells and to see it. Let, let me do another illustration, okay? While we were there, there was this guy on this beach and it was overlooking this beautiful, uh, kind of a greenish blue, clear water crashing through uh, over these uh, volcanic rocks, uh, clouds billowing in the back. It was fantastic, all right? It was beautiful. Let me show you this picture, all right? <laughs> Guess whose shoes those are? Brenda's. No. Now, now take a look at this, all right? There's no way my words could describe that as good as a picture. But let me tell you, if you could have joined us on that beach and smelled all of the tropical sea mist, seen the actual colors, and experienced just the crashing of the waves, it would be a much better experience. Wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah. Now, now that you've seen Hawaii, how many still want to go with us? Yeah. Okay, good. Well... There's two problems that I had in formulating this message, and they're very valid. I want to share my heart here. The first one is, I personally have never been to heaven. 
You might find that surprising. I know a lot of you think for sure that, guys, I never have been there, okay? I'm wanting to go. I plan to go. But here's the second problem. If I were able to go to heaven, you would get the same kind of results. I could only do my best to explain it to you. And you would do your best to understand and try to see what I was saying in your own imagination and your mind. The same is true in Scripture. We have in the Old Testament prophets like Daniel, Ezekiel, and Isaiah. When you read their accounts of heaven and the glory of God, it was very difficult for us to see and explain just in their words. Paul describes heaven this way. He said, I heard inexpressible words that a man is not permitted to speak. He said, things which I have not seen and ear have not heard, which have not entered into the heart of man. In essence, he's saying, the things that I saw, there's no way I could put words or pictures to the description of heaven. So we're kind of stuck with as best we can understanding. And God knew that that's all we would have. But he also gave us this hope in our heart about heaven that helps us get beyond what we can actually see. And that's why faith is such an important part. So we've taken from the scripture our text in John. All right. And John writes, and I'm just going to read a couple of the verses because uh, it's two chapters there. And I put him in a reference. Please go back. Take the time to read John 21 and 22. A lot of what we're talking about comes from there. But I love this part. Revelation 21. First three verses. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. The sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people and he will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Then, like I said, go to Revelation 21 and 22. Here's something I really want you to get. I have to confess to you, this message has really kind of wrecked me spiritually. I am very content loving God, going through my life, serving in ministry, being a pastor, being a good husband, loving my kids and grandkids, and never really, really fully look into the idea of how I should live my life in light of heaven. And the way we live now is controlled by what we believe about the future. Why heaven matters now is a very important question that everyone here should ask, everyone, believer and non-believer. You see, your life is based on eternal things, not temporal. We live in the temporal, but if we really looked at everything that we did this day, what it relates to in the eternal, we might think differently about some of the choices that we are making. Choices with our time, with our resources, with our love, with our attitude, and with our belief in God. Now, there's a saying you've heard, the, the heavenly mind, or too heavenly minded for earthly good. Can I tell you today, that is horrible theology. Horrible theology. All right, I get where it came from. I get the idea that some people are just so into God that they're practically useless here on the earth. Truthfully, I've really not met a lot of people that way. I just have not. We're really earthly minded, aren't we? Yeah. But the idea of us truly being heavenly minded changes how we live today. The scriptures say in Colossians, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So today I wanted to give you what I believe are the most important things you need to know about heaven. First, who's it for? We uh, attribute this 
a quote uh, to Mark Twain. He said at one time, I'll take heaven for the climate and hell for the society. <laughs> He's a funny guy. But the reality of that statement is fearful. Jesus said this about heaven. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. What's his point? Well, the scribes and Pharisees were admired religious models. They did all the right things to the extreme. They were good people. They were, in that time, holy people. But God knows, and Jesus knows, they fell for, short of perfection that is required for heaven. Jesus reaffirmed what the prophet Isaiah and said, <clears throat> no one is deserving of heaven. No one is good enough. That's not how we get to heaven. It's why Jesus came, so that we could have eternal life. So who's it for? It is for people who do love Jesus and who want to spend their time on life on earth loving him here as well as heaven. It just doesn't make sense to me that you would want to live a devilish, evil life here, sow all the seeds of unrighteousness, and then all of a sudden say, okay, I want heaven. I came across a lot of studies, and truthfully, I, I'm not a theologian. I've read so many books about heaven and, and so much good stuff, and, and I've had to just tear it away because there's so much that wouldn't fit in the time frame we have here. But I began to realize that a lot of people don't really want heaven. They just don't want hell. And the idea that we're going to go through life and heaven, well, it's option B because I certainly don't want to go to hell is a terrible thing. Now, in a few weeks, we're going to have the message on hell. I believe Pastor Mark is going to be sharing that. And he'll be sharing the realities of people who think that and what's in store for them. So what is heaven like? This is where I really think that when we begin to understand heaven, the idea of it being kind of plan B will really change. I don't think we do a good job communicating heaven. So I want to try to give you a few things to think about. I want to put it this way. It's the best of what God has to offer. The best. No curse, no evil. It's the best of what God has to offer in relationship, in our body and purpose, and in creation. <clears throat> now, let me just tell you, there will be one thing and only one thing left from the curse on this earth. This is very profound. The only reminder of the curse and the evil will be the scars in Jesus' hand and feet. There will be no more reminder. And so when we see Jesus and he welcomes us, and no more will we be under that curse and the pain and the agony and the heartache that that causes us, we will be free. What a great reminder. So let's start with relationship. Here's some great stuff. All right. And again, I'm condensing this, uh, but we will be known as we really are. I think God made you and your soul to be a person that is eternal. You will continue in that uh, as a person. All right, but here's where it's the best of God's creation. In the sense, you'll be who you truly are. I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but how many of us go through life really feeling down deep, you're just not really who you are? There's limitations and expectations from people. You're fearful in yourself. The enemy plants lies. And you're, you, there's just a part of you <coughs> that really says, I'm not who I am. And when we are in heaven, we are going to be fully who God meant us to be. <coughs> we will be in worship, timeless and awe-filled worship. Now, 
again, in my studies, a lot of people said, I can't picture standing around singing in the choir for eternity. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Well, if you're standing next to me singing, it probably would not be a lot of fun. All right. But let me tell you what that means. Years ago, when we were youth pastors, uh, I've had two experiences in our life where we really experienced an amazing presence of God. One, as a youth pastor, we had a youth group. God really did an amazing thing there. We had about 17 kids, and within six months, there were about 150 kids. And we had a little loft in the gymnasium that we enclosed, and it was so packed with kids, we couldn't put chairs. Kids would be sitting on the floor, standing along the walls. We had a worship team, and I remember specifically one night, we started to worship the Lord, and I'm telling you, it seemed amazing. We were just getting to this place of loving God in the sweet presence. A lot of our worship leaders, I think, at our campuses and other worshipers here will understand. There was just this amazing, sweet presence of God. And while we have our youth service downstairs, they had a program called Royal Rangers. I believe we have that here. There are all sorts of boys, and they play basketball and do all sorts of activities. Well, I'm loving the Lord and worshiping the Lord, and I just kept hearing this banging on the door, and I thought, one of those goofy little kids is throwing a basketball at the door. We're trying to worship here. Don't they know what we're doing up here? So I decided to go down and gently, quietly, kindly throw the kid across the gym. (laughs) No, I was still in the presence of the Lord. It was a sweet place. So I went across... I went down there, and I'm telling you, there was a group of parents standing at the door, and they were knocking. And they said, when are you going to let the kids go? I said, what do, what do you mean? We just started. And they looked at their watch, and they said, dude, you're, you're about 30, 45 minutes past service time. We'd been there for two hours. Now, I can't explain it to you. All I know is I experienced it. The kids experienced it. Nobody had missed that. But as we began to worship, the presence of the Lord came. And here's what I learned from that. This idea of worship in heaven being a long, drawn-out, boring thing does not exist. There was just seconds of worshiping the Lord, and it was two hours in an earthly time. Now, worship isn't the only thing we do in heaven, but it'll be a great part of that. There will be fellowship. Scriptures tell us that we will have fellowship with God, that there will be no flawed motives in our fellowship. How many know here on earth that your relationships always have some agenda at some kind? How many have been married more than 30, 40 years? Raise your hand. All right. Do you still work through some of that from time to time? Do you still wonder what, what he's thinking, what she's thinking? What's, what's the reason for that? Yes. <coughs> you know, why did, she, why did she bring me this nice dinner tonight? Is she wanting to go shopping tomorrow? <coughs> now, we can't help from it. We have a fallen nature. We look at things from that way. We have those expectations because they're in our own spirit. We see that and we understand that. But imagine being in a place where there's none of that, where it's pure in relationships, pure in every way. No flawed motives. We get relationship with other saints. Now think about this. We, we joke about this in times and sermons, but it's true. We'll get to sit around with the saints of the Old Testament. We'll get to talk to those guys and gals and say, hey, tell me about this. How, how did that really happen? Ezekiel pulls out his iPad and says, hey, take a look at this, man. Watch this chariot burn, baby. Zero to 60 in four seconds. How, how amazing. How, many, how, many, how much of eternity is going to be spent? How, how many stories are we going to hear of those in heaven that we never knew? But there's a kindred spirit. How about those loved ones of your life? Years gone by. I think Pastor John, several messages ago, shared about a heritage that we've been privileged to share in our family, about people who loved God and what that means down to every generation. 
and to see kids and grandkids, some that have been taken. For Brent and I, we lost a grandchild. To see that grandchild in heaven and to experience that. You think there's enough time in heaven for that? I think we're going to need eternity. I really believe that. There's this thing, and I, 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 I'm going to go, and I don't know exactly how to go there, but I think this. I think God's going to reveal to us. We'll never know all of God. Let me put it that way. But I think he's going to continue to reveal to us yeah. more and more and more and more. Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be an amazing thing. We're going to look at our lives and see how they were used for God. Years ago, there was a popular song by Ray Bowles called Thank You. And the song goes, uh, someone came up to a person and said, thank you. Thank you for doing this ministry. You don't know me, but when you set up a Sunday school room or when you prayed for this person, it changed my life. How wonderful will it be to hear those stories of every one of your lives and how the impact was made on this earth in the simple little things that you have done. There will be no more sadness, no tears, no sorrow, no suffering. None of that. None of that. We'll have a new body, a new purpose. The reason our body will change is I believe that this body, this physical body, could not handle heaven and the glory of God. And everything that is wrong about it is going to be gone. All right? And that's pretty amazing. I understand through Scripture that we will continue to have work. Now, let me explain that because a lot of you are saying, here, I'm glad it's the weekend. I don't want to go back to work on Monday, so I don't want to go to heaven for sure. If there's work there, I'm checking out. But let me, let me explain that. Labor is a draining word. Labor has drudgery. Labor takes up time and energy, but never really accomplishes anything. There'll be none of that in heaven, but there'll be work. We will be makers, creators, builders, leaders. We will be all sorts of people that experience those things that we were created to be. Now, I don't know your story, but there are, I, I've met so many people in the church that were created for things, but they took, they took a college education and they went that route because so much money had already gone into that. But deep inside, they felt. I get to work with a lot of artists, and I don't know if there are those here. We have a great new arts community starting. Look on the online uh, website for that. But, but maybe a lot of you are hidden artists, and you've got these gifts, and you can explore them and experience them in ways in heaven you could never on this earth. So you will be busy. You're not just going to be sitting around, but believe it or not, rest will be in heaven. You're like, well, dude, I got this new body. I can go forever. Pun. Pun. You guys are slow. All right. I'm sorry. I liked it. I got it. I won't use it again. But everything and every part of that work will be something that lasts and matters. How wonderful that that is. We'll serve. The heaven will be a kingdom, and we'll have a place. The new heaven that came to, and the new earth that is created. We will have a kingdom that works through that. We will learn. We'll be constantly learning of God's nature. Our physical bodies will have no thirst, no hunger, but we can eat, and we can enjoy things. All right? Guess what? No more diets. No more treadmills. My trainer's here, and I'm telling you what, it's, it's good to have a trainer because they push you and make you go. None of that anymore. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay? And I know I need to. We've talked about this. I've got to eat healthy. I've got to work out. 
or I'll, I'll be on that beach and never get off that chair and nobody will care. No broken bodies, no wounded bodies, no weariness, no aging. At this point, I'm signing up for heaven. I want that. And then there's creation. As you look at Revelations, verses 20, uh, chapter 21, 10 through 26, it talks about what happens with creation. And I want to just give you a little foundation, a little understanding. It starts with the first creation, what God had made in a paradise. And with disobedience, it brought the curse. And from then on, we have faced a broken paradise. But that was just a taste of things to come with heaven. Everything is going to be restored to a greater capacity and glory for God. Now, the new heaven is a city that's 1,400 miles in length, width, and height. Imagine Denver to L.A., the Canada border to the uh, Mexican border is about the size of the new heaven. All right? Pretty big. Pretty great. There's room for you. Just saying. We got a room for you there. There are 12 gates, each with a gigantic pearl. One singular pearl guarded by an angel. Three gates on each side. Listen to this. There are walls of the city that are 216 feet thick of clear jasper crystal. There are 12 foundation stones underneath those walls made of various stones. Jasper, sapphire, I won't go through all of them, but let me give you the colors. Blue, greenish blue, deep green, white and brown with streaks, blood red, yellow quartz, green, yellowish green, turquoise green, blue and purple. Those are the foundations, okay? Now here's where it gets good. I like color. I, I'm just that visual person. Scriptures say that God is the light. There's no longer any sun or moon, that the light of all creation is God. And his temple isn't a temple as we see it. He resides in that new heaven. Can you imagine the prism effect of the light of God shining through the new heaven? Can you imagine that visually? How amazing the heavenly prism. It talks about gold so pure that it's clear. It talks about a river of life that flows from the throne of God, clear as crystals flowing. On each side of the river is a tree of life growing 12 crops of fruit each season. These are the things that we can partake in. There's not a lot about the new earth, but everything will be created anew in the new earth. So whatever you enjoy about this fallen creation now, it will be so much more. Every beautiful thing that we have seen will see even greater things. So let me go. How will it relate to my life on earth? Well, first of all, you have to choose to accept what Jesus offers. And then how will I live my life on earth in light of heaven? Will I be selfish and live my life to my own, or will I be a servant of God? 1 Corinthians talks about on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show a person's work, and if it has any value, if the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. And then 2 Corinthians 5.8 talks more about that. You know what? Pastor Larry, our counseling pastor here, said something very profound. He said, the most spiritual thing I can do on this earth is die. You die in your spirit to your selfishness and accept God's grace. You die in the flesh, in the physical, and receive heaven. So how can I go there? All right, here's the truth. I have no idea who goes and not goes based on my understanding of who you are. My job is not to decide who goes to heaven and who goes to hell. The scriptures teach that's God's job. But I have a job. 
I'm in promotions. <laughs> Not administration. Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ has become a child of God and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commands are not burdensome. For every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. Let me close with a story. Recently I had the privilege of going to a special occasion for our family. Heather and Jesse, our youngest daughter and her husband, live in Charlotte. They were here a few years ago. And they lost a child, a grandbaby to us, a child to them. And in that process, they felt like the Lord asked them to adopt a little girl. And the little girl, uh, life was changed because of that adoption and was placed in an opportunity to know Jesus in a very special way. So it took several years in adoption papers in here in Colorado, then moving to North Carolina. Uh, they had to start the process all over again. So several years later, uh, they decided to have a special ceremony of adoption, a celebration. So as grandparents, we were delighted to be able to come and attend. So all the parties getting planned. It's a big deal. Lots of friends and family are coming. And so my thing is Sam's Club. I have an honorary membership wherever I go in the world at Sam's. They know me. I'm on their poster everywhere. This is the guy. Anyway, so I take the grandkids to the park, and they're getting ready that day at the picnic. And we go pick up a cake that had been ordered. My daughter had just put, she didn't want to make it all about her. She just put her name, Sela Grace Spradley white cake, beautiful little cake. So we go pick it up at Sam's. It's in a big cake size thing, and they have that plastic covering on the top that you can see it. And so I place it in the basket. The kids are running around crazy, but Sayla's sitting in the basket with her cake. And I'm trying to corral three other kids and find out a good deal at Sam's at the same time, which I did successfully. And I, I just looked down, and I saw my little granddaughter tracing her name. And it wasn't just once. It was twice. A third time. And I was so touched that this little girl's life and sense of what this meant to her was so special. And I usually don't cry in Sam's. <laughs> Unless it's a really good deal. But God spoke to my heart. And he said, Terry, in the Lamb's book of life, you have been adopted and your name is written. How wonderful to know how much Jesus loves us. How wonderful to experience that and to know that my name is written down, not because of anything that I did, except saying yes to this amazing, marvelous gift that God has given. So today, I want you to go to heaven. I want you to make a choice to do that. And I want you to know how amazing, in the best ability that we can understand in the word, how heaven is. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, today is a perfect time. But if you're a believer here, 
and you've put heaven in the further distance of your mind, I want you to rekindle that love for the Lord and understand what it means to be a part of heaven. And I want to challenge you to live your life differently. I personally have been affected by this message and how I live my life. I am making choices to change specific things in my life to do that. Now, if you're here today and you want to know more about Jesus in heaven, we have a website called salvation at jfc.org, salvation at jfc.org. Please email us. We'll follow up with that. I wanted to also tell you there are references here, other books that are on your notes uh, that you can do. But today, we get a chance to respond in a very special way. I want to talk to you about how that works. Jesus said to his disciples after sharing the bread and the wine, here's what he said. I love this. He said, mark my words. I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it with you anew in my Father's kingdom. A covenant God made with his disciples were, this someday we will share together again. I cannot think of anything better today for a believer to do, to be reminded of heaven and Jesus' promise than to take communion. We'll have pastors serving wine at the sides. We'll have self-serve at the crosses. You can go to a candle and pray for maybe a loved one that you know you want to pray for to find Jesus and to be in heaven. If you're here today and you're struggling, you need to share a burden, please know there are people who will pray with you at the back of the room. But if you're one of those that said, I need Jesus, I challenge you to just confess your sins. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want heaven. Would you forgive me? And pin that to one of our crosses there at the back. And last, I think this is so amazing. I talked a little about worship in my experience. Many of you here are worshipers and kind of get a taste of that. But today, even in the short time frame, wherever you go, whatever response, every one of here that knows Jesus ought to realize how important it is for you to worship the Lord. It's not just singing a song. It's giving adoration and glory to an eternal, amazing God who is preparing a place for you. I hope that excites you. I hope that gets you excited. Would you please stand? Let's worship the Lord. I'm going to pray. Father, today, that fear of passing away and the unknown of death, and we hold on to hear what we know and what we're familiar with because we're not sure, but today we can be sure. For those that are wavering in their faith in you, re renew that in their heart. For those that need to know you personally today, Jesus, Come in your love and your grace. Give them the faith necessary to come to you. But I pray for every believer here that you renew in us a passion for heaven, a passion for the life that we should live in light of heaven. We pray that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord, guys.